So hello, everyone. This is Otessa, and you are listening to Conversations with Hysterical Women. That's Women with an X, the Hysterical Women podcast, where you are all welcome here, friends, allies, everywhere across the rainbow, across the binary. I'm just really glad to have you be here. This is meant to be a safe space to explore all of the weird things that life throws at us and all of the different ways in which we can be twisted and torn asunder, but also all the different ways that we can come back together. So thank you for listening. And I'm glad that you're here and going to be cheesy, but comment, like, subscribe. I'm Tiffany Harris. I live in Washington, D.C. I work in the tech sector, but I'm also a social justice activist and community builder. And you are listening to Conversations with Hysterical Women. So I have my questions written down, but again, like I said, I lack brevity. Hi, I'm Natasha. I lack brevity. That's why I'm terrible on Twitter. Uh, instead, I also lack brevity, so this is going to be great. <laughs> so I try. So I try to put them down as like speed questions for myself, awesome. so that I can be instead of doing that thing where I'm like, let me loop around it four times before yeah. I finally like say what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So okay, I'm gonna start. So number one, how are you really like? This is a radical asking of a question yeah. that I feel like has become invisible. It's mm. a really, really, really good question. And one that feels so uncomfortable to answer because we're just not I'm used sorry. to it. No, 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 it's okay. Like I am here, be real and vulnerable, but like you never ask that and you also never take the time, or I've never asked that and I never take the time to think about it. So it's like, I'm fine, how are you? Yep. <laughs> you yeah, know? exactly. That's, it's like, yeah. I'm fine. Everything's okay. And, and even like before you think about it, it's just out of your mouth. Yeah. So in the, how are you really like, I've been trying for months to find a therapist have not been, and I need that. I think to, to get to the point where I'm actually feeling okay. Yeah. Um, so looking on finding a therapist, uh, a lot of, right. Oh, thank you. Let's exchange. Yeah. Yes. Because and- she is so good now that like we I think like five of us are now we oh, keep passing awesome. and everyone has a good experience so good, good. she's been vetted by like a lot of our friends and they're all like we love her too that's great yeah she's I heard an ad like recently and it was like you know now there are ways to connect to a therapist like digitally versus in person for people's schedules and it was like switch anytime if you don't like your therapist like drop that person and find a new one and I'm like I want it to be hard. I want to be challenged. I want to dig into the things that are really keeping me from being the person I want to be. And I was just like, man, that's like a bad attitude to have. Like, I want to find somebody good, but I want them to like, you know, take me to places that might feel uncomfortable Mm -hmm. because that's where I need to go. So like the therapist piece is tough. Relationship going well, like successes in work, but my job is like, I'm not in the right fit right now. And so Mm I've been looking for other opportunities. And I thought I had a really cool position lined up and I've never had this happen before so I'm happy to talk about it here in case other people experience it was offered a job accepted it and they rescinded the offer what crazy town right so they rescinded the offer and I suspect that it was I, I have no idea but knowing the culture around like the place I was trying to get to I countered the salary And not that I was like super concerned about the salary they offered, but I think like as women, like we're definitely conditioned not to ask for more. Um, And so I always counter the salary just because I'm like, it feels Mm -hmm. uncomfortable. And I know like you'll always be kind of lowballed in that sense. Mm -hmm. So do it. And I think they were like really turned off. Um, 
So I'm just kind of trying to be like, you know what? Maybe it wasn't the right fit, but they like kind of ghosted me after that. And they said, okay, we can't offer it a higher salary. And I said, that's fine. I'd be honored to work here anyway and to be on this team. And then they just like never got back until I wrote to someone higher up on Twitter and said, Hey, like the person who interviewed me is not getting back. And then the person wrote me back again and I was just super disappointed. Um, so yeah, that was like, that happened a few days ago and I'm just kind of like processing it mentally because it's just not something I ever experienced. Don't let yourselves get ghosted on a job offer. If yeah. you do, it's not the right place to work, but I'm disappointed because I felt like this was a really great fit for my skills, a really worthwhile position. When we talk about, when I was talking about some of the things like why I can't sleep at night and what I feel is wrong yeah. with our country and society, this was a role that would like directly hopefully address some of those things in the long term. And I just really wanted to be there. So yeah, kind of a weird. That is a roller coaster. That is a a strange thing. Strange thing. And also has so many different ramifications, but also, and maybe this is like overly optimistic, Otessa, but a place that would do that to you. Yeah. You might have just avoided a ticket on the Titanic. Right. I think in my role right now, um, you know, there were like things that you see during the interview process, during interactions with your future colleagues that might be like little red flags that you Mm -hmm. don't pay attention to or you suppress. And it comes out later. That's always been true in every job I've had, like pay attention to those things. So maybe I dodged a bullet, but like being like perfectly honest on this podcast, I want to get a woman elected president. This was like on one of the campaigns at a great position. And I'm just like, and I'm trying also to not let that interaction color the way I feel about the candidate because uh, it's it's potentially very unrelated. But I'm just like, man, I didn't realize I had so much like not ego. I don't know what it is that I'm kind of like veering between being super sad and hard on myself and like, well, screw them, you know. And it's like neither attitude is the right attitude to have. I it's mean, like you just gotta hold it and be like, that was weird. That was weird. That was unprofessional. Yeah. Like, yeah just straight up like if i'm spock and just purely viewing this like from a logic perspective that was unprofessional yeah and if they didn't if they offered you the job and they didn't like your counter and you said i'm still willing to do this that's not a reason to say that is not that's not a reason to ghost like none of that is okay yeah i got offered a position on kamala's campaign Mm -hmm. they offered it to me uh with no salary what a high level position to work for free and that they may be able to pay me at some point. This woman is raising millions and millions of mm-hmm. dollars. Uh, Which it's at a position. I'm, yeah. yeah, exactly. I'm coming from a position and would be going into a position that's like relatively high-ish level, mm-hmm. right? And I also like don't have the means to be able to like work for free. Like who's going to pay? Like, you know, so I thought that was a little offensive. Yeah. yeah. So Warren's campaign, because to be honest, at this point, both of them, I'm like, We'll sleep like freaking babies with either one of them as president. Like, I mean, literally with anybody else, Mm -hmm. with like this freaking plant as a president, I would be a lot more. Um, But so Warren's plant for president, literally plant for president, Benitez for president. And it was like also kind of both situations were kind of offensive. It was very offensive. Yes. And it made me just think. Not kind of. Like, let me validate you here. Thank you. That is offensive. Yeah. That's probably offensive. (laughs) And so I was just, 
I don't know. It's a weird feeling. And I haven't worked in like the campaign political space. So I think there are probably some things that I might not be aware of culturally that it is a weird space, but it shouldn't be like that. Like if mm-hmm. we are electing. And that's a lot of what their platforms are about. Yeah. That it's like, it's so counter to the message that's being presented. And you think of the core of where it starts and maybe not indicative of the candidate at all, but like the tiny group of people around that are like building this campaign out act and feel that way. Oh, I'm just like, I don't want to be jaded on politics completely, but it's getting hard. Yeah. (laughs) You know, seriously having that experience from the inside and like after going private sector, I'm like, that place is totally fucked up. So it's like, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. But I'm still, I still believe in, I mean, literally like any one of the democratic candidates up there, I would be fine with Tulsi Gabbard sign, but like, you know, maybe some of the other people, but like would be very happy to, but I was like, if I'm going to leave my job and mm-hmm. move out of the city and like potentially jeopardize my relationship, it's going to be for a woman president, yeah. you know, because that is, yeah. So. Well, countering is absolutely 100% yes. valid and normal and expected. Absolutely. And their response, exactly. Their response was unprofessional and ghosting, I'm sorry, that is shocking. Yeah. That is shocking. No one should have to deal with that. Thank so, you. Well, thank you for validating that. I was yeah, like, no, that's, no, 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 that's unprofessional. Okay. That is so <laughs> unprofessional, in, in my opinion. I don't know. Do you feel like that's freaking unprofessional? That happened to me before, and really? it's very unprofessional. Well, they offered me an interview, and then when the time came, no one called, and when I called them, ghost. So that's very unprofessional. Yeah. But I mean, like, like the test said, if that wasn't, then you probably were saved and spared from a headache. If you know that. That's my feeling. Yeah. That's my feeling. Truly, the universe is telling me. And you have gifts to give, and you will give them in another way. So, if I may, sure. What do people not ask you that you wish that they did? I feel like, especially in interviews, they're always like the same five questions that people always ask you, and it's always like. How did you Google me? Did you see any of my other interviews? Like, what do people not ask you or fail to ask you that you're like, why don't you ask me this? You know, I would probably have a different answer to that question until like today, because the Mm -hmm. how are you really, I think Mm -hmm. is a really, I probably wouldn't have thought of that question, but it is so refreshing to like, you open the space up as a like, no, I want to hear how you're really doing and what's really going on. And even in my close personal relationships, people don't ask that and you never have a chance to talk about it. And it felt very good to just get that off my chest because most of the interactions you have, people like give me positive 100%. And, And you, I think we talked about this a little bit before, but like the burden of guilt that Mm. You never want to feel like I'm burdening someone else with my burdens. Mm, and so yeah. just giving the permission and the space to say, like, I want you to get real for a second and like tell me how things are actually going is like, no one's ever asked me that in an interview. No one's ever, it's probably been a very long time since someone's asked me that on just like a one to one basis. And it's so nice and so thoughtful. So I'm going to incorporate that into my interactions, but I wish more people did. Yeah. I wish more people did as well, honestly. And I think that there is that fear of like, I don't want to put this on someone. Yeah. But I also think that from the other point of view, um, assuming that, you know, you're dealing with a human being who is healthy and logical and not nefarious. 
um, it gives the other person the opportunity to resonate higher. Yeah. Um, and being there for someone else who's a, it's terrifying to admit that maybe you're not like totally amazing. Like, like the way that everyone's Instagram or yeah. so many people's Instagram. Yeah. yeah so <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. no, like I, I had a, I had a weird week. Yeah. Something happened and it's okay to talk about that because it doesn't make you vulnerable. It doesn't, it's like, there's yeah. nothing on you about that. And then it gives the other person the opportunity to practice their active listening and resonate a little bit higher about like being there for someone. So I think that it's a chance, I don't know, in my head, I try to remind myself that it can be like positive for both parties. It's yeah. not like a laying your, your woes out and being like, sort through this. Yeah. It's like an opportunity for both people to just actually like sort through and be like, oh, wait, I hadn't thought about that. That resonates or like mm -hmm. I feel less alone or whatever. Thank you for that. So, yeah. Yeah. You feel like you don't want to burden someone, but there there is some kind of, I think in sharing, you know, both people get something right. Mm -hmm. And then it's like there's reciprocity there that when I'm in a better place too, that I can serve in that role yeah. and be an active listener. And yeah. And it's weird because I feel like in my household, something that I would hear a lot from my dad in particular is like knowledge is power, mm. but that didn't extend to emotional knowledge, but I feel like emotional knowledge is also power. Yeah. So it's actually a great, you hear knowledge is power a lot. Yeah. I met your dad and he is awesome and so <laughs> kind. And, um, I never thought about emotional knowledge that, yeah, that's profound. Well, I, I fight with him on that because he, he doesn't think he doesn't believe that. But that's that might be a generational thing. That's like there could be any number of things. Oh, I mean, I will say like the the pressures and like the challenges that our generation faces are, I, I I would argue they're like probably greater than like maybe like our grandparents' generation who you know for a lot of us were coming to this country for the first time facing a lot of threats. But like there were like decades of people, certain groups of people that had it like relatively stable. It's like go to college, get a job, you'll be set, get that pension. For us, like the things we face are completely different, but I do feel lucky in the sense that it's like things like therapy, talk, like emotional health, spiritual health, yeah. all of that are things that we can talk about pretty openly, which I do feel is healthy and kind of gives us hopefully some of the coping mechanisms we need to deal with this Absolutely. like incredible set of challenges that were laid upon us. <laughs> well, that's actually one of the reasons why I'm like constantly working on this with my dad is because, um, he and my mother actually had like a really traumatic experience. So they had moved to Iran. My mother was not Persian, but my dad is mm -hmm. born in Tehran. Went to school here in the U.S. And yeah. then back in the 70s when like Tehran was yeah. like hit. Oh, the Shah. Yeah. Did you say you're Zoroastrian? Do I remember that correctly? Oh, yeah, celebrate the Zoroastrian holidays. Yes. Also celebrate Christian holidays. Celebrate a lot of holidays. Yeah, yeah celebrate a lot of holidays. Um, my grandmother is Muslim, so we got a lot of got a lot of religions going on, a lot of holidays. That's um, awesome. I love holidays. Yeah. Uh, it gets a little confusing. Yeah, but which yeah. calendar are we on? Exactly, <laughs> yes, for real. Um, but if you ever want to jump over a bonfire, uh, please, Jahashembe Suri is an yes. awesome holiday. I welcome you all to jump over a bonfire and say the equivalent of uh, take take my jaundice and give me your vitality. Oh, I the love new year. it. Yeah, and I the new year is in spring, so it's all 
uh, different. Yeah. Which calendar are That's we very on? Cool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's for, good to have a new year like yeah. several times throughout the year. Right? Exactly. You kind of need a lot of like yeah. reboots. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he, my mom and my dad were living in Tehran, and then the revolution hit, and they, um, they, had, you know, had a house, had jobs there, um, and they, yeah, they lost everything and got out in the like final days. Like my mother had to sneak over the border at night. My dad had to sneak his way onto a plane, mm-hmm. pretending to be part of the yeah. So there's like a lot of trauma yeah. there, and then coming here and having nothing. I mean, my mother had her family, yeah, um, but they weren't able to really sort through a lot them. of things. Yeah, but yeah. just coming here, and my dad had his college storage unit. That was all. Oh. They were really only able to bring what they could carry with them, and everything else was so yeah. So I'm like emotional knowledge might help me dad why don't you believe in mental health like you yeah you, you believe in like dental health why don't you believe in <laughs> mental health so, so i'm like we're, i'm yeah. working on it so this actually is a good segue to another question that i have because um i did this interesting training about uh getting um having more success talking to people who don't necessarily think in the same way as yourself mm-hmm. now you're never going to be able to convince someone who's totally on the other side of all issues. Like I will not be able to convince Trump or have Trump listen to me. Yeah. Um, but someone who is maybe a little bit more center, there are ways to have productive communications and discourse. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that they really mentioned in the dial test was don't use buzzwords because as soon as you use a buzzword, Someone's ears close. Interesting. So they're all about like finding synonyms. So this is going to be like super, it's almost like a Freudian like speed thing, right? And it's hard. No, it's it's hard, but it's also kind of fun. So like have fun with it. So we we did this before and it was interesting what kind of came out. So we're going to do speed synonyms. Work-life balance. Oh, (laughs) wait, hold on. Oh, I've heard my CEO say one that work-life blend. <laughs> I hate that. Um, okay, work-life balance. Sorry, this is so hard. It's really hard. I can come back to that one. Yeah, let's come back to it. Stick in your pin. Self-care. Ask, ask the audience. Self-care. Oh, man, I just keep thinking of other buzzwords. I was like, mindfulness. Oh, it's not the same thing. Self-care. Oh, uh, I think mindfulness works, right? Self-advocacy. Self-advocacy. Something, something I said yes. the other day, I was like, is that an actual word? <laughs> yeah. That I have not heard before. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, emotional labor. Uh, emotional labor. Um, <laughs> let me think. Taxing. Mm-hmm. Emotionally taxing. Yeah. Is that still a buzzword? Emotionally taxing? No. Okay. I went with unpaid teaching on that one. Unpaid teaching. <laughs> no, that's that's good. That's good. People and everyone can connect to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, being triggered. Ooh, being triggered. Um, painful reminders. Oof. Okay. That's good. Microaggressions. <laughs> being an asshole. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Microgret. Yeah. Yeah. I would just say being being, an being okay so unintentionally being, being an asshole. Are they aware or unaware? Oh, uh, sometimes. Jerks. So it goes both ways. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the person who is giving mm-hmm. 
aware and unaware. Yeah. Yeah. So, but sometimes you can be an asshole and not know that you're being an asshole. And someone has to be like, Hey, that was kind of a jerky. And it doesn't mean that you weren't still an asshole. Yeah. It's like intent versus. And then you have to do the unpaid teaching. Yes. It puts the burden onto the person who is getting microaggressed or getting, yeah, the brunt of the asshole. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's like a a vicious cycle of like, yeah. Well, I'm not triggered. Right. (laughs) Okay, so if someone's a jerk and then you have to do unpaid teaching and while simultaneously being reminded of something painful, mm-hmm. that is really bad for your self-advocacy. Exactly. We just did a whole sentence. With I sentence. love it. Yeah. Now do it with emojis. Right. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That would... Ooh, we should do that. That's actually... Yeah. We should totally do that. Okay. Um, toxic culture. Toxic culture. Dangerous. So for culture, I would just say, like, norms. Mm-hmm. But toxic, I would just say like dangerous but Mm -hmm. I don't know if those two go together like dangerous norms problematic norms I don't know if that would really like yeah no it's like like speak to the other side safety yeah yeah so dangerous norms yeah yeah, that it's like accepted yeah so dangerous norms or something yeah yeah I'm so bad at this. No, it's it's not that you're bad at this. Is that this is really freaking hard? Yeah, uh, so much of my communication is in this sterile texting memes way. Like I would probably be better at doing this with a meme or an emoji. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay, wait. Do you want to do emojis? Like we could do emojis. Okay, so yeah, but we could also we could. Okay, okay. So um, mental health. It's a podcast. <laughs> mental so. health. Mental health. Um. Okay, hold on. Sorry, one second, because that that's a really important one. Mental health. Oh man, it's so. I feel like that is so textbook. Like, is it a buzzword now? Okay, brain. Ooh, not health. Come back to it. Come back to it. Okay. Do you want to do it with emojis now? Yeah, we can do it. Work life balance emoji. So it would be the stressed out yellow smiley face um with a scale and then like the smiling one i feel like i've literally sent this to you diana oh yeah (laughs) Yeah. it's like yeah my happy and my sad yeah yeah Yeah. self-care emoji there's like isn't there an emoji now with like a head with like cucumbers on the eyes and i know that's what everyone thinks oh yeah it's like self-care yeah yeah towel with the steam and I think maybe that doesn't resonate with anyone, but I'm a huge bath person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love baths. I love Epsom salt. Mm. So that would be self-care. Yeah. And it would be, a, then I would put a clock and then I would put the emoji that's like saying no, like crossing the arms. Um, because it's like, I'm not, I'm going to do my cucumber bath and I'm not going to think about time. That's like yeah. self-care because that's what I need. So. Okay. Emotional labor. Emoji emotional labor emoji um that one would be i don't want to tie like emotion to being sad because like the crying emoji Mm -hmm. is such an easy go-to it would be oh that's a hard emoji do you have an idea about what you would do for that one i would do well since i think i went with unpaid teaching yeah i would do like the professor with like the clock winding down and the money flying away that's a good one. Yes. Unpaid teaching. And then the person that you're talking to who you can represent in whatever way, but it's probably a, an adult who's actually a child. 
So some kind of like adult child emoji. Yeah, man baby. Yeah. Or like the monkey closing its ear, covering its ears. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Being triggered. Being triggered. Okay, so I would do the, um, there's like a megaphone emoji and then they're like binoculars and then it would be like the smiley face emoji that has like kind of just like the upset face emoji because I think that at least like for me, like true, you know, something that triggers me, like it can be something I've heard or something I've seen or experienced. So like whatever connotates those different sensory, you know, triggers and then just like, Oh, now I'm sad. <laughs> yeah. So the stressed out face with the gramophone. The, yeah. The, excuse me, the like the loudspeaker foghorn. Yeah. Foghorn and the binoculars. And the binoculars. Yeah. Oh no, there's some eyes. There's a pair of eyes that are looking. Mm. So I think those would be the eyes, megaphone, sad face. Yeah. Microaggression. Microaggression. So there's like this would be like very literal to the words, but there's like a ruler emoji mm. <laughs> to the ruler yeah. and then double face. <laughs> yes. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Okay. Toxic culture. That's a hard one. There's like a little, um, beaker with like green stuff in it. Yeah. It looks like a toxic chemical. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, culture is hard to do in an emoji. So it would take like a couple of emojis. It would take a couple of emojis, but also maybe like some like, like, wokeness math to like figure it out but like I would just so the original emojis were like these yellow dudes Mm -hmm. you know and I would just put one of those because it's like culture is still today it's like very like white male white sister male dominated so it's like let's just put that as like the yeah with like the green like green beaker but maybe like like, a yield "Ah." sign yes like yeah that one would take a little figuring out what the yield sign is. It makes it a little clearer. <laughs> People, you can use these. Like, let's start the movement. Okay, so I think we made our. I love doing that with emojis. That was awesome. Oh, thank you. That's, That's really cool. hard with the synonyms. Yeah. It's hard to find ways to talk about these things, even with the buzzwords. So, yeah. Um, okay, super quick solve work life balance. Do you have it? Is it possible? I don't have work-life balance. No one has had, we have asked so many people, no one has work-life balance. So is it possible? Is actually that we have switched the question from tell us about your work-life balance to realizing that literally no one has work-life balance as far as we can tell. Yeah. Is it possible? I don't, I don't know if it's possible. I, I'm very like, I want to be optimistic and say yes, but I think life is always about trade-offs, right? Mm -hmm. And that's a really delicate balance. And I think, especially too, that like we're always going to feel guilty that we're spending time on X versus Y. And Mm -hmm. so, I don't know, even when I look back on my life and I think that I had work-life balance and I had it really great, I wouldn't have said that I did. I wouldn't have been able to recognize that. So I don't know. Well, it's something that I feel like, and Diana, let me know if you disagree, please. Mm -hmm. But out of this question, I'm starting to realize that the question isn't actually like, how do you get work-life balance? Do you have work-life balance? It seems to be, what do we need to change so that work-life balance is possible? And that's That's made, and your emoji, I'm thinking about your emojis. Um, For toxic culture, 
of like the scale and the green beaker, beaker yeah i'm like we need to remove the green beaker yield and you know like yeah. there are, those are the things that need to alter before we can even think about yeah having like we need to dial those down before this is even possible because it doesn't seem like it's possible yeah right now i think it's probably easier for people to say like what are the parts you need to eliminate or lessen you know for it to yeah. be a little bit closer to that equilibrium for it's, you what are those pieces well, so in my current work i am constantly blamed for having a lack of time that i have the inability to scale and that like as things grow, like you have to be able to scale and you have to be able to build systems that can handle a lot of people. And I, I, I'm always thinking about this book I read in college that I still read, is it called Small is Beautiful? Mm -hmm. And I think like, you know, there's also a component that like slow is beautiful. Yeah. And I don't necessarily mm -hmm. think that like interactions and all transactions have to be at this large scale. And I need to eliminate that from like that's just not something I'm good at it's not something I want to do but it is like a core component of like the current company I'm in and the work culture and so that's something that I see needs to change for me to be because the place I'm at amazing place like lots of growth I learned a lot but that's just it's that's not gonna happen so it's not about me like getting better at x y or z i don't want to get better at scale like i'm like I'm yeah. i like slow interactions i like well also scaling means that you need more infrastructure you yeah. can't just scale yourself and expect yeah that success that you might need to correct pause no totally yeah. for me personally i need pause to be able to build that infrastructure yeah. like it's not impossible, but I am stretched so thin that mm -hmm. I don't think that I have like the mental, physical, or even like just time bandwidth to build in those systems that would allow me to scale. So that's really challenging. So I think there's a point where you decide like, maybe that's not for me because that's not like the system that I operate best in. Mm -hmm. You want to be adaptable, but yeah, so that, that maybe needs to change. I have been impressed that I've been able to do it for so long without totally crashing and burning. I'm like, oh, I'm like a little more resilient than I thought I was, but that would need to change. And also, I like, mean, we are built for pain, but that we doesn't are mean built for pain that you need constant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's kind of amazing. You know, if you've been in a situation where you're like, wow, this was so shitty for so long. And I'm so impressed that I just like survived, yeah. you know, and you're like, that's great. Um, in that sense, not like the day to day. I think the other thing is like, I'm very uh, OCD about like my house and like cleaning the way things look like closets in color order, like yeah, yeah books in size and color order. That Which is why so... I don't want you in that room. Cause I'm like, oh, I don't judge. Like, yeah. Don't go in that room. That's where everything half finished exists. Oh <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. And so I spend a lot of like, mental and physical energy on mm -hmm. that and that is like just not useful at all you know like when yeah. you think about things and you're like is this useful no it's absolutely not useful at all and I just can't seem to shake that and so I spend a lot of time like just cleaning and organizing and it's like I don't really need to do that mm -hmm. I sometimes think though I'm like and this is so crazy but I am like willing to admit it here but I'm like you know I bike a lot of times without a helmet if God forbid anything happened to me, like the people who go through my things when I'm like dead and gone, I want them to be like, she was so clean. 
<laughs> she's yeah. so organized yeah. on them be like these drawers are impeccable she didn't think anyone would be going through these drawers and they're still so put together like I think about that like when I leave the house I'm like is this if I never come back like you know what if someone looks in my drawer and like I want them to be like yeah. girl folded all her socks you know yeah. so, so I that's have, crazy I don't think so at okay. all I, I've written my own obituary so that is actually a really healthy exercise I think yeah. I encourage a lot of people said that it was really morbid, but I was like, I don't want to put that emotional labor on someone else. Also, what if they do it wrong? I, the other thing I think, so I did that exercise. I had a writing teacher in college mm-hmm. who had us all write our own obituaries. This woman was crazy, but like a genius, like so brilliant. Yeah. Someone I learned so much from. And in my obituary, it talked about all of the countries I had traveled to. And at that point I had never been overseas it talked about, for some reason, my funeral was taking place in Morocco. Yeah. So all of these things, and I ended up traveling. Like, I've traveled a lot and lived overseas, and I moved to Morocco after that. And, like, it just, like, gave me a direct, like, a sense of direction that it was, like, this is what I want people to say about me when I'm gone, but I have to make those things happen. I feel like there's a certain Which, element of, I'm just going to go ahead and say it, of, like, death magic when you do that. Mm-hmm. Or setting intentions, yeah, yeah. however you want to put it. Um, that is really helpful. We have a friend, a mutual friend who was a Forbes 30 under 30. Mm -hmm. And she told me that, uh, she finally, like, I hope I'm not like saying this story wrong, but that she finally admitted out loud, like to herself and to her friends and community that she wanted it. And then it happened. And there's something about like saying what you want out loud and making it real, you know, speaking it into existence that's powerful. And so I've been trying to practice that it's a little true. more. That's very true. But yeah. it's hard to admit sometimes, like, the things you want or the things you think you deserve. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm like, you know, screw it. Like, just try you- it. So I have, two, I have two questions, but I asked the first one. Sure. Uh, what do you deserve? What do you want? Oh, what do, what do I? And, like, I'm don't. Call back from that job. <laughs> and, no, like, no, no guilt, no, like, because let's, we can get into guilt, like, and yeah. how crushing it is. Let's, let's pretend this is impossible because it's, like, always the elephant in the room. But let's pretend that we have no guilt for, like, a second. Or, yeah. like, feelings of, like, oh, I can't believe I just said that. That was so grandiose. Like, truly, truly, I think you know in your heart of hearts, like, what you deserve and what you want. Yeah. So I think mine, oh, I feel guilty saying this, but I'm going to say it. And um, it touches on some things in the past, too. I think I deserve and I wish I had two parents, a healthy mom, like, both physically and mentally, who and like a home structure growing up that was able to help me thrive and give me the tools necessary to cope today. Yeah. So I think there are a lot of things that I find missing. And you see like my partner, he's amazing. He's an attractive, tall white dude with athletic skills who was blessed with abundance growing mm-hmm. up. And like the amount of confidence, like the way we approach different situations, I'm like, God, will I ever have that? I think you can, but it's like, it's just been reinforced throughout his life. Yeah. And I wonder sometimes I'm like, I have all of these things and it's good to be aware of them and I can work toward them. But I'm like, I had a really crazy childhood and continue to like, I'm in my early thirties and I like support my mom and she's Mm -hmm. sick as you know. And I'm just like, man, I wish I didn't have student loans, but I also wish that I 
my money was my money, but like the money I'm working my ass off for, I could spend just on myself and the things. I mean, I want to spend it on her, but like, you know what I mean? Yes, it just, it's, you want to help from your heart, but it's like, I wish exactly. same things you want, you know, I feel which... so guilty saying that that grief is a burden. Yeah. And that that background is a burden. And I feel like I am, I'm smart. I'll say, I'll say it. It feels weird to say it, but I'm, I'm it's smart clear. and capable. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. But I'm smart and I'm capable. And if I had like just more structure and support growing up, it's like, what could I have been you know how much further could you have exactly how much further could I have gone like the things that I struggle with now and I I feel very guilty saying that but I'll I'm gonna say it yeah (laughs) Yeah. can I think you right off that real fast sure like growing up so often is you're trained to go to college Mm -hmm. and get a major and a job where you can make money because you you were told that if you get a degree in music or in theater you're not gonna make that much money if I knew now if I knew at the age of 15 what I know what I know now I would have really just went for my passion early on, but I didn't yeah. because I just, I, I never thought that I could, I could, I, I didn't think I could do it. Yeah. I did the same thing. I got a degree in business because I was like, you know, I grew up poor and I, all I knew was like, I was like, I don't want to be dumpster diving when I'm like in my, you know? Yeah. You're like, yeah. and I was so unhappy. My first job, I like walked out and that's when I like went and joined the Peace Corps, which is not the track that everybody goes on. But I was like, this is not for me, but I, you have a different set of risks that you're like, the money is very real. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know what it feels like to be hungry and to be food insecure. And you're like, I don't want that for myself. But what I've learned, and I think we'll like all can attest to be true. And I'm sure people listening to this as well is that like, if you can find what you love and you can figure out a way to monetize it, like yes. you'll be so yep. much more successful. Yes. Finding it is hard. Taking the risk is hard that's another thing I saw like so my my boyfriend opened these gyms huge risk when he was in his 20s I would never have the confidence to do that he just loves like he's in his element every day and it's so amazing because so rarely I think we get to see people doing that like their job is what they really love but I'm like I am like my parent you know my mom I'll say like don't know my dad but like couldn't really care less what I ended up doing but you do feel that pressure of like I have to be like, like the trajectory has to go up and it's the perception is like, it's getting that degree in business or like making more money or something like that. Um, and that kind of sets you on a path that I think you're not, it's not what's best for you or what you necessarily should be on, but I totally, I agree. Mm -hmm. The ability. So I told you about how my parents left the revolution. I was born Mm -hmm. shortly thereafter. And then my brother and sister were born 13 years later after my parents had hustled and grinded. Yeah. So I remember you were the first. You were the early. Yeah, I was like the adopter. I was like the grief, like post-revolution baby, where <laughs> it was like, can we afford shoes? Yeah. So I remember growing up in very different circumstances, and my parents like had no self-care to make sure that I could have things, and that's a risk. And I think that so much of this, like, and I'll, I'll hear people say it, and they're like, just go for your dreams. And the ability to say that comes, I'm being honest in how I actually feel. I feel like that comes from a history of Maslow's hierarchy of needs all being mm-hmm. met. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, for you then, to be able to say can. that. Yeah. yeah, then you can say that. But if you're worried about being destitute, or if you're worried about, like, what if I can't afford shoes again? And what if I take this risk? Yeah. And I go back there or worse, 
and um, you know what worse feels like, yeah, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, it can be like your ninja mind working against you. Totally. And totally. so I think like that confidence to say that when you haven't always had all of your needs met mm-hmm. is the trickiest part. Totally. Yeah. Because it's like, I'm going to take this risk and I'll have a plan B and I'll have a plan C because it could go in this other way. Yeah. But I feel like I can do this. I feel like I deserve it. I feel like, like I want this. I'm capable. I'm deserving mm-hmm. all of the above, but I'm terrified of the risk of backfire. So you have your plan B and your plan C That's that other people the might not have. the plan B and C. Yeah. yeah. So you put those in place, but at the same time you need the courage that for other people is inherent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how do you find that courage? So if your family life was chaotic and then you have to like build your family at an older age, that's exhausting. Yeah. But it does help you find that courage. And you wonder if it's like less stable than like blood relationships, which is like, I don't you know yeah. necessarily think that is, but I think about like that financial safety net. If you mm-hmm. don't have that, you're like, if I screw up, I'm really screwed. But, you know, you can't think like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What's amazing to me is the number of times that people who have come from, regardless of where people have come from, if they are capable and deserving and all of the above, and this is just like their ninja mind working against them. Yeah. It does follow through. It does work. Yeah, you just have to... But you need that, and you need, and some of it comes with, like, just saying it out loud or having someone say it out loud. You are no longer junior. You are senior. Actually, the person that you were talking about earlier has gone through a hard time with, like, work and life. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I hope she's good. She's going to be on. Yeah. Yes, yes, definitely will be. Um, And... those struggles come. Yeah, and it was affecting my work. Most of my work was international Mm -hmm. and I started to get really worried about everything that I was balancing. And I was like, do I start, you know, accepting things below my rate just because I'm terrified. Yeah. And I want to make sure that I don't go back there. Yeah. But once you, if your rate was here and you start cutting it, so you feel like you're secure but then you're actually long-term putting yourself back. No, it's true. And she was the one who told me, she was like, you are no longer junior, you're senior. Do not forget that. This, this has the potential to put you back further than you realize. And I needed to hear that right then. And it really helped because it actually would have been, I think a greater step back than sticking to my guns as terrifying as it was. Yeah. Um, no, that's a good piece of wisdom. I really do. Like, I'm so thankful that, and I haven't always had this at like various points in my life, but to have like, um, you two as well, like are people that I would, you know, be able to reach out to for like, just advice, feedback, like, am I off base with my thinking? Like, you know, how do I approach this situation? I didn't always have those type of people in my life. And that is so incredibly valuable and I you know I hope that I'm able to reciprocate that one day anytime ears always here like always willing to help but um that 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 kind of sets in that it can help you give give you confidence and like just knowing like 
am I in the right direction? I'm curious about this. I mean, of course, at the end of the day, you have to follow your, your heart and your intuition, but having strong women around you is really also just very grounding and very empowering. I'm going to skip the next question because this is a great segue into the one after that, which is how can I help you? Oh, with clap emojis. Great. Yeah. With clap emojis, clapping on beats. Yes. (laughs) Amazing. Oh, I mean, I, let me think about that. You have, you like connected me to some really cool, interesting people. We're talking about, uh, I almost said Vincent again. It is Victor. Victor. Yes. I keep wanting to call him Vincent who I met, um, through DC web Mm -hmm. fest and ran into him. Another thing connected him. Just like, I love one of the things I love being able to play is like network weaver and having a strong network and community. I, it adds value to my life in so many different ways and just the enjoyment. And so you've connected me to some really interesting people, given me a really amazing opportunity to like spotlight something that I love to do. Um, and I'm very thankful for that. And so, you know, when opportunities arise to continue to do that, I love connecting people and getting connected and, and then it's also, it's, it's good. It's healthy and it's enjoyable for me. It's also a difficult question though, because um, when sometimes, especially if something happens and then you have 20 people being like, how can I help you? That can also be emotional labor. Cause then yeah. you're already feeling overwhelmed and then you're like, great. Now I've got to find 20 tasks and assign them to each person. And ah, so yeah. I always feel tricky asking that question. So sometimes I wonder if instead I should ask like, what do you have in the wings that I could potentially help with? That's a good one. Or you could just ask both and be like, which one do you want to answer? Yeah. Which one is more relevant? Or like, I, here are my skill sets. I'm really good at laundry. I'm really good at folding. Yeah. You don't want my cooking, but I can order you food. <laughs> you don't want my cooking. <laughs> we have like, so in Jewish tradition, like when somebody dies, like you have a shiva and it's like seven days of mourning. And the, one of the things that happens is like community members just come over and like they cook, they clean, like they will like just uplift you in different ways so that you can just be blah, like, you know, like just do what you need to do to keep yourself alive and healthy and they cover everything else. And I think it's such an amazing just practice. And I think could be applied in ways when it's like, man, I want to shiva when I'm going through a breakup or like, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that people come over and just like, please cook for me because I can barely get myself. Seven days is not enough. It's not enough. Yeah. It needs to keep going like in so many ways, but I am here available for (laughs) shiva with my friends or, you know, people outside of that circle who, who need support. And I, I would say the answer of like, what I need or how you can help me could probably change like day to day, but I'm just, it's kind of top of mind, just like the interesting people I met through you and, and that I've learned a lot from those people. And so to continue that and our, our, our friend who will be on the podcast is also like really, really good at that. Yes. And we are, that's how we met. Yes, exactly. And I think in the city, there are so many things where I love going to those things where it's like women's networking or this, that. And sometimes it's so hard to drag yourself to these, like, tech outreach this that happy hour but like I'm never disappointed I've never gone to one of those things and not met someone who I was like wow I really enjoyed that conversation I really learned something from them and I think just like we talked about like the health associated with laughter 
Yes. I think a meaningful conversation yes. is also really healthy. Definitely. Yeah. So we've kind of talked about therapy and mental health in terms of what I call like actual self-care versus hashtag self-care. Mm. Um, you mentioned crystals. Are there any other things that you find like self-soothing? Yeah, there's so many. So I'm trying out the crystals because, um, and I'm like so late to the game on crystals. I, so I was like in LA two years ago doing like reality TV show that I, yeah. that I talked about. And I remember the makeup artist on set, she was really into crystals. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, man, this girl like is cray cray. Like what's the deal with crystals? Yes. But like, you know, East Coast now, I feel like I'm an East Coaster these days or we're a little slower sometimes in the trend. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? It's like chicken soup. Like what could be bad about it? And they're beautiful and they're powerful. And I had a friend buy me some kind of crystal and I put it like next to my bed and it, it was just like the intention that that set mm -hmm. and the reminder of this relationship. And it was probably like, you know, there is some energy associated with that. Yeah. It's like, it makes me feel so happy and so sorry, Brittany. I know I called you crazy on the set of the TV show. <laughs> crystals, but I am on board and <laughs> I stand corrected. But, um, so that I think my, like the spiritual community mm -hmm. that I feel like I'm a part of, you know, if I'm being perfectly honest, I don't know, like if I actually believe in God or a God or what that God looks like in its many different forms, but Judaism is so important to me mm -hmm. and my Jewish and Jewish adjacent community. And I feel, I feel less healthy when I'm not like yeah. deeply engaged in practices around Shabbat, which Same. forces, yeah, forces me to pause on, um, Friday nights and really focus on like relationships and just away from work and being centered. I saw a post on Facebook yesterday. I went to a Jesuit, like a Catholic school actually for college and the social justice ministers were like really just important people who I looked up to and they both got like arrested at like a, a protest mm -hmm. around like, you know, immigration rights and like all that craziness that's happening right now. And I, I think like, just spirituality, action, social justice, yeah. all of that stuff is, is really grounding and healthy for me. And then, you know, the physical and mental practices, yeah. like getting enough exercise, meditating enough. That's what keeps me healthy. I think having like a healthy sex life, which isn't always in existence, but luckily right now I'm in a good relationship, yeah. but I love my partner. So all of that stuff, people are embarrassed to talk about that. Sex is important. So they're all, all of that is, I, I feel like- Is that what makes your are, skin glow? Oh, what makes you. your skin yeah. glow? Like yeah. mask. <laughs> um, is it like combination well, today, of everything? I mean, it's like 103 degrees. So no, the but your skin is always. <laughs> I like your skin is always glowing. Thank you. Well, I. It's funny because I I was I can be very self conscious of my skin because I was an acne sufferer for like a long point in my life so I'm always like thinking about the scars I'm also like because I'm like obsessive I like pick at my skin sometimes which like is kind of crazy but I do that so. I didn't know I do that I'm very guilty okay yeah especially when I'm nervous and I've got like a magnifying mirror oh I had to throw mine away yeah, yes. I the lights and stuff I'm like it starts with tweezing it ends with my face <laughs> <all bloody>. like, <laughs> um but you know like copious amounts of Botox and fillers but also just like I've got a really strong vitamin regimen. I don't know if that actually yeah. works, but I think 
you know, I think about like the things I eat, try to eat healthy on mm-hmm. top of like my ice cream, but the vitamins and like a good solid skincare routine. I try to be good about like exfoliating yeah. and everything, but I think my, I, you know, I want to give like other women realistic expectations. Like when people say like, Oh, you don't have any wrinkles. It's like, well, I've got like botulism in my face. <laughs> so, like, let's be honest. Like it wasn't always like that. And, weeks I'm gonna need to re-up I have a really great guy who I go to and he's like meticulous um so that is one way but that doesn't that's not the glowing it's not the glowing but it definitely helps because when that yeah. thing is taut and stretched yeah. it looks a little yeah I, it's funny because at work one day my colleague was like oh this is so bad I don't want to set like women back but I also want to be honest yeah. about this things. a colleague a male colleague was like what's wrong you look sad and I was like shit like I knew that I was like off my schedule of getting my facial <laughs> and, I looked and I was like yeah my eyebrows are like down here and I need to get them back up and also like people just say crazy stuff at work and I work you know like I've got some characters and People say crazy things in meetings and you're just like, and I forget like when my face isn't frozen, I'm like, oh, they can see my reaction. Cause I'm like, you know, like, I'm like, is it crazy? Like, I'm like, oh God, like, but when my face is frozen, I can just like, you know, expression. Oh yeah, that is an original idea, sir, that I just said five minutes ago. So yeah, that's my skincare routine, vitamins. Botox. <laughs> do you use any like oil, essential oils or anything? I actually do. So I, there's a brand at Sephora I really like, but I was like, this is too expensive. Um, so I found it just bought online Maruga oil. Okay. I do. I used to have a sample of that. Yeah. Okay. So I got it as a sample yeah. and then I was like, I'm going to buy this. And I was like, I'm not going to buy this. Oils. I love, love oils. My skin veers oily, but I do think that oils are still yeah. good for you. I use a lot of acids also. Okay. I do uh, lactic acid, glycolic yeah. acid. Um, those are super helpful for exfoliation. I have like, I get them all on eBay. They're probably illegal. I think you're not supposed to like use them without a doctor's supervision, but uh, it's okay. I watch a lot of YouTube tutorials yes. on how not to burn my skin yes, off. Yes, exactly. I have made some mistakes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I do like a drop of lactic acid mm-hmm. and I mix it with my salicylic acid. Yeah. Salicylic is supposed to plunk. The lactic is exfoliating. Then I put marula oil on, and that's usually. Then I go to the gym, and I feel like I start sweating. Yeah. It opens my pores, and then it gets do, deep. Yeah. yeah, and then I do a scrub after that when I get home, and I buy a lot of my like facial products at like like discount. You know, like TJ Maxx, mm-hmm. Marshalls. I look at the brands, and I'm like, sounds good. I don't yeah. spend a ton of money on that, but I have a lot of different things I use. Awesome. Sorry, that's yeah. not a usual question that I no, ask it's on here. Okay. But your skin you. is always so. Like, I'm like so much. And this year, my skin, like a lot of it, had to do with my thyroid. Um, so like things got like way out of balance and I got really bad melasma to the point Mm -hmm. that, um, so I have to wear like super strong, it's like a very strong zinc plus it's like a BB cream. So it's colored, but also a zinc. That's actually the foundation I use is BB cream. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't always match my skin tone, but basically I can't, I, I miss the days when I used to just be able to tan. Yeah. And like get a beautiful tan and it was even. And then I started getting this melasma and it wasn't until someone was like, it's okay. Once you have the baby, it'll be fine. And I was like, ah. two, two people said that. 
to, and I was like, I went running to the dermatologist so fast. Uh-huh. I was like, everyone thinks I'm pregnant. The melasma is so bad. Like what? They're like, look, your thyroid, your thyroid went crazy. Yeah. Like it's going to suck. It's going to take two years probably before we get wow. this back. So just suffer through. You know, I started going to this like facial plastic surgeon guy for my skincare mm-hmm. because I found dermatologists are great at what they do, but they are focused on cancer, which like we need to think about moles and cancer. Yeah. But when I go in and I'm like, I have acne or like, why is my skin doing this and that? And they're like, oh, you're fine. It's going to be fine. I went to this guy because he's like, listen, girl, I'm going to fix you up. And that's what I wanted. I, I would love to know who this mysterious person is. He's amazing. I'll send you, I'll send you Please, his info. Because like my melasma is like the, ba- it's better, but it's still, I am so embarrassed. I thought when I walked in, I was like, you look gorgeous. Because I'm wearing makeup. I am wearing, hello everyone. I'm wearing makeup. This is not, I, I, you know what? Full disclosure, I will, we can insert into this a photo of what I actually look like without makeup. And you can see my melasma, which is better. This is the, so this, like this photo that I, I am setting an attention. You will see what my face looks like. And this is better than it used to be. Um, and it's not good. So anyway, so that was that was me just doing a deep dive of like, deep dive, yeah, uh, like to, so tangential. But yeah, I'm like trying to figure this out. So it's hard to like, like I realized how much of my identity is wrapped up in like skin and hair, and you know, having. I had a period of time actually, it's like after the election, I lost a huge chunk of hair. Yeah, stress. Yeah, it's like somehow I was like, I'm only like tangentially affected by this election huge bald spot on the side of my head and oh. I did not realize how white my scalp like it was just I couldn't really hide it very well and I was like man like what like I felt so unfeminine just all these things and I was like man a piece of my identity is wrapped up in like what's on the outside and I was like I need to like examine that but right now I just need to get some spray paint because this yeah. Is, but yeah it is it's tough when you have something like that so yeah but it also helps to talk about it because then someone's like Oh, well, this happened to me. And I'm like, oh, I'm not alone. Like, we're all walking around with yeah. some kind of thing that's really just pulling at us. And, yeah. yeah. And that's, like, emotional knowledge. 